I guess I should get into the talk. We were talking about um, naming demons. What a topic, what a weird topic. But um, I think it's actually really good. I, um, yeah, so today's topic is about naming demons and I'm excited about it. We've been talking about spiritual warfare in the church. We had, uh, last week we had three people in our um, pre-service prayer bring up Ephesians 6 and kind of putting on the armor of God and last week we had Wilma and we, me and Wilma did a talk together um, and it was a talk about uh, you know battling darkness and a talk about um, kind of how they've overcome in their life and how they um, kind of saw darkness after the death of, um, of Candace and how they overcame through forgiveness and so I wanted to continue that and talk about spiritual warfare, in particular, talking about strategy, talking about how strategy is important. And this is something I think is actually like a, a bit of a correction for me. I'm, I'm preaching to myself. In some ways, I don't think I've paid as much attention to this as I should um, in my life. I've kind of been a little bit more of the type where it's like, well, you know, you just praise and demons run and you just, it's as simple as that, right? And, and I... I like that. Now, don't get me wrong. I still like that. I like focusing on God as a kind of a primary way of battling uh, spiritual warfare. And I do think that there is some wisdom in saying things like, you know, focusing too much on demons can be not great for Christians, right? And it can be um, kind of a negative, a negative thing. So I, I can appreciate that. And I don't want to become fascinated with demons, uh, for sure. However, I do think that by understanding um, strategy, the devil's strategies, we can become informed in how to fight back and we can become more effective in our spiritual warfare. So I think that there's a balance there uh, that we need to kind of know. And each of us will have different roles in this as well. You know, people who are kind of given to intercession probably will, or at least in some ways, will focus more on this, on kind of what are the strategies? How do I need to uh, kind of fight back in my spiritual warfare to be effective? And uh, so I want to kind of talk about that uh, today. And it's actually a bit of a two-part sermon because I think God has been speaking to me about the mission of Maple Crest. And uh, it's kind of surprised me a little bit uh, over the last couple of days and had a meeting with Wilma on Friday talking about, uh, you know, the mission and, and, you know, we're kind of shut down. So there's lots to do, but one of the things we're doing is um, having a bit more time to focus on kind of who we are praying about that and talking about it and thinking about it. And and since that talk, which was more of a talk, um, I've had this kind of spiritual stuff that's been happening and, and I've been realizing. So I wasn't planning on talking about the mission of Maple Crest and today isn't about the mission of Maple Crest. However, I'm realizing that I am talking about the mission of Maple Crest and, and it'll come, become more clear next week. Um, I didn't realize it was a two-part sermon, but I think it is. So God's doing stuff. He's talking. So please pray for me uh, as, we, as we go down this road together of kind of understanding why we exist. Um, I mean, I think we're getting better at describing who we are, you know, how we're different and kind of what we're doing and or, or kind of, yeah, who we are and how, what we're focusing on, what's important to us. But that mission of our church has uh, been a little vague. And honestly, when people ask me, I've been like, pray about it. I'm not sure. God told me to start the church. <laughs> you know, it's like, I think we're, we're doing something, uh, but I'm not exactly sure what. And, uh, and that's not great. I don't think that's, um, I don't, I don't like that. Feeling. I mean, I love faith and I love mystery and, 
um, and the fact that God doesn't have to tell us everything and we're supposed to be faithful and obedient before we're supposed to be knowledgeable. But I do pray that we would know because I think it could make us more effective. So anyway, I think we're taking steps in that direction. Sorry to be vague, but it'll become hopefully clear as we go. Father, thank you for helping us to understand who we are. And I pray that you would give us wisdom today in spiritual warfare and help to help me to speak in a way that, that, that informs us as a body on how to move forward in spiritual warfare and the importance of it and the strategy of it and kind of just opening this up as a topic uh, for us to study as a church and discern uh, so that we can be effective. There's so many important things that we need to make a difference in. And I believe intercession is so important. And I want us, our church to be about intercession and effective intercession and blessed intercession. And I think, you know, Christine was talking about that and like, tell us if you need help praying and we want to become a praying church. We want to understand how to, how to pray as a church. And I think we're moving in that direction. Our services have moved in that direction. When we were in park, for example, we had really beautiful intercession um, you know, after during ministry time with music, which I love, like the harp and bowl, kind of the prayers of the harp, sorry, the prayers of the bowl mixed with the harp, you know, uh, the music, music and prayer go so well together. And so I really want to kind of move in that direction. And, uh, but we need to do it well, we need to understand. One of the ways of understanding difficulty in battle is to actually watch battle. I was on the radio on um, Friday, and um I talked about this piece of research that was kind of interesting. If anybody says I've never talked about zombies in a sermon, well, here you go. Um, so <laughs> an appropriate topic, appropriate thing to say. So anyway, the research that they found was that people who watched zombie movies were better prepared emotionally for COVID-19. Who knew, right? Um, so if you're not familiar with zombie movies, maybe you're not, uh, then usually they happen in kind of a disaster, like COVID-19, like there's a, a horrible thing that happens often, how do I know so much, right? Anyway, uh, so often there's some kind of disease that kind of overtakes uh, and it's kind of a zombie disease or something like this and everything is destroyed and there's a few survivors who have to kind of make it through. And this actually, this research didn't just apply to zombie movies. It was actually like, you know, apocalyptic type movies and you know end of the world type movies alien invasions included you know like when there's some kind of worldwide attack that um affects us those movies people who watch those movies were better at being emotionally prepared and stable during COVID-19 so why is that well I don't know about you but uh, for myself and when I as a psychologist when I'm talking to parents I'll have parents coming in and they're like Cyrus my kid watches this stuff. Why? I didn't tell them to do it. And, you know, like my eight-year-old is so interested in this reality show or something like this. And let's say they're like in Taekwondo or something and, and their kid is watching reality Taekwondo and like Taekwondo parents. And it's all about conflict and, you know, competitions and stuff. And like, it's all dramatic. And it's like, why is my kid watching this drama about these, you know, kids who hate each other or competing in Taekwondo or this is just an example, fake example, but this is the kind of thing that happens in lots of different ways. And the reason I believe is because when we watch and hear the stories of, of trauma, the stories of disaster, it prepares us for war. It prepares us for battle. It helps us to know and informs our minds of what happens in battles, the, the norms of it, what to expect. I'll give you an example. 
um, in my own life. So I like during COVID-19, we, you know, there was this period, you know, in this late spring when things were very uncertain and um, there was a lot to do for me. I had a business, we had a church, we had to recreate everything, lots of new policies. There was a lot of uncertainty. We had a go box at church, sorry, a go box at work where it was like, I don't know if we're gonna be able to come in the building tomorrow. So we need to like pack this box with everything we'll need to work from home, you know, like our pay machines and stuff like this. And how do we do this? And, you know, we prepare the go box and then the next morning we can come in and it's like, okay, we're in, we're safe. You know, like we can continue to work anyway. So there's all this stuff that was happening. And I remember a story that Wilma had told me, she's my mom. I remember a story she told me when I was younger. I'm not sure exactly when. And she said, when she was a girl, she something had happened in her family and there was a disaster. She'll probably tell me after this now all the details. Maybe I get it wrong, but this is my memory of it, which is probably more important um, than the reality because this is how I perceived it and how it's helped me. But anyway, so it's like, there was this story of the men bringing grain or food up into the attic or something like this. Something was happening and they were saving things. And it was a disaster. And as a girl, she remembered seeing the sweat stains like the wet foot wet footprints no rain the wet footprints of her father walking up the stairs into the attic and how he was in this disaster and he was pushing himself beyond any measure beyond any workout like he was in disaster mode and he was reacting he was sweating to the point where his feet were wet carrying grain somewhere carrying food or whatever he was carrying in this disaster and i remember when we were going through COVID-19, that was a repeated picture in my head. I was like, I have to do that now. Like this is the time when my feet, ha I have to sweat so much in order to protect my family, in order to make sure that the people in my care are okay. The my church, my employees, the people who are relying on me, I need to be that guy throwing the grain on my shoulder and pushing it 24 seven until this disaster is over. So that picture that my mom gave me that story of disaster, where it would be kind of like, why do you want to hear stories of disaster? Prepared me for how to manage in my own and it actually strengthened me. It gave me like, cause she survived, she made it through and it was like, okay, like her family took care of her. They didn't have to do that forever, but there are times when your feet have to sweat when you have to like overwhelm your body and just push. And so that can happen through parents. I think it's probably more effective and powerful when you tell real stories and honestly, but even a, a apocalyptic movie can help somebody to get a frame of reference for what it can be like in a disaster and how to respond and, and all of those kinds of things. So why am I telling you this? Well, we as Christians, have to do this with the Bible. We that's why there's all these terrible stories in the Bible about horrible things happening. Uh, because we need to understand this as Christians from a physical point of view of like how power comes and goes and, and what happens to people in the midst of it. But also, as Christians, we need to understand the spiritual warfare, the spiritual dynamics of the power coming and going and how to deal with these things. And how do we do that? We watch movies kind of so to speak stories we take in stories on spiritual warfare and how it's happened in the past because as peter said this morning these things repeat themselves he was talking about nice things like community but these things repeat themselves in our lives 
And we can be better prepared emotionally and psychologically and spiritually to fight by studying the strategies of the past. Okay. So we're in a spiritual fight. I'm going to break it down a little bit slower here. We're in a spiritual fight. And it's so important to understand that because we don't see it as easily as clearly. And so we need to be reminded that we're actually in a spiritual war. If you, and this is right out of the passage that was so prophetically important last Sunday, which is Ephesians 6. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. We are in a spiritual warfare Make no mistake, if you don't see it, that's okay, but you need to be aware of the reality. The next thing to say about this passage is that right there where it's saying that this is so important, it talks about how these spiritual forces are not blunt. They are organized. They are strategic in their fight against us. Now, I used to work in, in a prison, as a, you know, and when I was there, I remember movies didn't prepare me for this. Movies prepared me for very intelligent criminals because in movies, often they're intelligent. So this was a time when a movie steered me wrong. And I remember being in prison and realizing that most of the time it's not the case, at least for the ones in prison. I don't know about the criminals who aren't in prison. Maybe they don't go to prison. But anyway, I was in prison and I realized that most of the time uh, criminals aren't as strategic as we think. Normally, it's mainly impulsive, but that doesn't mean that the devil isn't crafty. And he can even use blunt instruments. He can use uh, just raw trauma and impulsivity in order to strategically come against people and the church. Uh, and he is crafty. In Genesis 3, it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast in the field the Lord had, that the Lord God had made. We are dealing with a crafty enemy. We are not dealing with just this kind of flat force of like pressure. We're not just leaning against a wall. We are more in a martial art combat. There are strategies and, and things that can be done. It's more like wrestling, which is very strategic. And I think that the wrestling they're talking about is a little different than the kind of strategic wrestling we're talking about. But it's still nonetheless, it's not just a blunt force coming against us. There are thoughts that come against us. And mental health, where I'm dealing with this all the time, there are so many ways there's only a few ways to do life well. There are so many ways to do life badly and to make mistakes and to have emotional problems, which speaks to the many ways that demonic forces attack us. There's so many different ways we can believe in different kinds of lies and, the, and twists and turns and addictions and all these different forces, national pressure, you know, family pressure, individual pressure and lies there's so many different levels and dynamics and subtle and obvious things that come against us in order to pull us off track and this is talking about those different levels that uh, was in ephesians 6 against um, against rulers and against authorities and cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil there's different levels different ways that the that the this crafty serpent comes against us and we are actually supposed to identify them. We're not supposed to just be like, da, 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 you know, like, that's fine. We'll just kind of focus on Jesus. And it's like, yeah, we are supposed to just focus on Jesus. But we're also supposed to expose them. Ephesians 5.11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. We are actually supposed to expose the darkness and bring it forward and say, this is how this is, this is wicked. This is how this works. Now, 
in psychology, it's like insight is great and it doesn't make as much of a difference as we often think, but it's a good first step. Exposing the darkness gives people choice. It's like, just because you have insight doesn't mean that you're going to change. But if you're going to change, insight is very helpful. Insight is a wonderful first step to be able to evaluate a situation and know what you're going to do next and decide what you're going to do next. So it's very powerful. Okay, so how do we understand these strategies? Now, there's lots of different ways, and I wanted to focus on one strategy today. That is, and the reason I wanted to focus on it was because it was probably it's probably one of the ones that might be a little bit of a stumbling block for people. So I just wanted to kind of explore it, and that is demonic names. So, I mean, there's lots of different strategies in it. And as I name them, I'm not expecting you to have like a lot of pushback against me. Like if I said addictions is a demonic strategy, most people would be like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, a lot of people are facing addictions. That's, it sounds demonic to me, you know, like, amen, Cyrus, you know, like addictions is a demonic strategy. That makes sense. Where I might, where you might run into some trouble is if you say, well, the, the example I want to use here is Jezebel. If I said there's a Jezebel spirit coming against the church, some people might be like, okay, Jezebel spirit is coming against the church. Like, what does that mean? Why are you saying a Jezebel spirit is coming against me in my life or against the church or against the city or something like that? That sounds kind of out there. Is there a demon named Jezebel? Like, how do we know that? What does that mean? Um, so I want to just use some biblical examples to to talk about it. And I don't want to say that I know everything about this. These are topics that are hard to know everything about for sure. But I think there are some things that we can kind of start as, as a starting places around this just to kind of create a little bit of a grid to kind of understand some of the basics around demonic names and why we why they're there uh, to help us to think about it and have a bit of a grid for it. Um, so uh, I like to speak out of Revelation. We're kind of in a series on Revelation. This is kind of where this came from a little bit. Revelation 2.20. So this is um, Jesus talking through an angel to a church, Thyatira, and he's kind of evaluating different churches. And this is the one of the main pieces of the evaluation of this church. But I have this against you, Revelation 2.20, but I have this against you that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. Okay, so he's saying, I have this against you. There's a woman named Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and she's doing not good things and she's in your midst. Now, I don't know this church. I don't know everybody's name in this church. And honestly, when I read this, you know, in the past, I would just, I don't know, I didn't really think about it. I just kind of assumed there actually was a woman named Jezebel in the church. And there may be. I don't know. Uh, maybe Jezebel was a popular name. It doesn't say. But I don't think, even if there was a woman named Jezebel in the church, I don't think that they're actually referring to a woman named Jezebel. Um, there might be some coincidence where she, they are, but I don't think that's the main point of what they're saying here. I think this is a spiritual reference to a spiritual reality that's coming against this church. There's a prophetess named Jezebel. Now, Jezebel is an Old Testament uh, character, a woman who uh, lived uh, and married, was married to a, a very evil king, Ahab, who came against Elijah. And there's a whole story, and, um, and it's a very important story. But there's this whole strategy associated with Jezebel. There's this whole spiritual reality associated with Jezebel 
uh, a movie, so to speak, of how she came against God and what she did to come against God. And so I believe what's happening here is God is saying a lot with shorthand, basically, and he does this. He likes to say a lot very quickly. He's very concise often. And so when he says there's a Jezebel spirit coming against, no, he outlines particularly what about Jezebel he's not particularly liking here, which is like sexual immorality, the food offered to idols and a few other things. It goes on after this. I didn't get into that, but um, he's, but that was also what Jezebel was doing. He went in the Old Testament, part of the problem with Jezebel was this sexual immorality that she was doing and coming against, she was coming against God's servants and she was part of her worship was sexual immorality. So I believe that this is kind of a reference to a strategy, primarily, a certain path into error. And by understanding it, the church is strengthened by Jesus telling them this. So there are, and I'm not just picking on this one example to say like, there's other examples of this in the Bible. There's other examples of, um, of God using names to give spiritual insight into what's going on. One of the most popular, I mean, this story of Jezebel and Elijah is a very popular one for this strategy because the other big one is John the Baptist and Elijah. So in Matthew 11, uh, it says, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. So this is Jesus saying, that John the Baptist is Elijah who is to come. Does that mean John the Baptist's name is Elijah? No. It's talking about a spiritual reality that's happening in John's life of fulfillment. And John is this fulfillment. He is taking on this spiritual reality, the spiritual strategy of Elijah. And it's very interesting because he has his own Jezebel. He has Herod's wife who kills him, comes against him, and he has this evil king and he's out in the desert like Elijah prophesying against the king. And he is a spiritual. So he's got this kind of same, the story is replaying itself in John the Baptist's life. And he's got this anointing of Elijah. So when, when he's called Elijah, it's not expecting John to change his name. He's not going around saying I'm Elijah. Well, maybe he did. I don't know, but he's not, you know, passing the salt to Elijah. This is a spiritual reality on his life and it's a way of talking about this so that you can kind of say a lot with one word you're an elijah god's a good communicator and so uh he does this uh in a few different ways i'll give you another example of how he's done it with uh you know in a demonic kind of context so with the demoniac this man possessed in matthew 5 um jesus comes to this man who's like powerfully possessed and Jesus says to him, what is your name? And he replies, my name is Legion. This is Matthew 5, 9. What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. So this is actually a demonic presence speaking out of him. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of, this, out of the area. Now, the reason I'm picking on this story is because it's so clear that there's no demon in hell named Legion. You don't go around saying... This is Legion, you know, what he's referring to is the spiritual reality, the spiritual path, the spiritual strategy that's going on in this. And I don't know why demons give away their spiritual strategies through their names. 
I, I don't, I, I'm guessing that it's because, did I get that reference? Oh, there might be two. Uh, I'm guessing it's because of God's grace that he is forcing these demons to kind of talk about things that are actually helpful to us as intercessors and prayer warriors in order to know how to battle. Because now that Jesus has this information, I think Jesus had to be given information too from God. He was very human and I don't think he just had, you know, omnipotence and, and stuff without working through the Holy Spirit. So he was operating fully uh, with, with all of Holy Spirit. Anyway, the so he was given this information that he's legion. And I think that was a prophetic cue on how, on what he's dealing with and how to deal with it. Because then it's a, a few verses later and there's other reasons why. Like the, the, the legion asked to go into pigs, plural pigs. I think it's 2,000 pigs and... So it's a legion into a legion. It's like, how do you get rid of these demons? You send them into a multitude because there's many of them, maybe. I'm not sure. I don't know exactly how these things work. But I believe that there were strategic hints about how to deal with the legion in the name of giving them a legion. He knew he was dealing with many. And so there was information on how to, how to deal with it. Again, a demonic name is this kind of strategy. That's one of the ways. I actually have... I've through studying this, I've developed kind of a, an opinion, I'll call it an opinion because it's not in the Bible, that I don't think God is really about giving demons the honor of a name. I don't, I, I believe that a name is an honor. Christians are often given their Christian name. Jesus went around kind of renaming people, I call you this. I don't think it's like, names are often an honor thing. And I just, I kind of, feel like that's a piece of this puzzle is that there's really no honor to be given to demonic presences. I don't think the kind of name like Michael or Gabriel that's given to angels is given to demons. So I just, I don't think it's that important for us to know how demons are referring to each other in their day-to-day -day existence if they do have names. I think that um, it's more important on a kind of a daily basis for us to understand the strategies. So these names are actually like a, a prophetic gift to the Christians being attacked, to the Christians involved in, in fighting back as intercessors. And so I don't believe, say it that way, I, I, I could be wrong, but I don't believe that there's a demon in hell named Jezebel. I don't believe that there's other demons walking around saying, hey, Jezebel, maybe, like, I don't really know. And maybe it doesn't really matter, but I think it's maybe helpful for you to think about this idea because and I don't, we're not going to go around saying, oh, there's no name. No, I'm not saying for us to walk around saying, hey, there's really no devil named or demon named Jezebel, just so you know. Like, I don't know if that's really that important because even if we are wrong about that, and maybe there is a demon named Jezebel, maybe there isn't a demon named Jezebel, there is a demonic presence and multiple demons, I believe, probably multiple forces that operate through a Jezebel strategy and naming them Jezebel is helpful for us. It's helpful for us to say this is a Jezebel spirit. It's like, that's helpful um, to kind of understand what's happening spiritually and whether there is one demon named Jezebel or another demon or two or three, or I think that's kind of a, a side point. And I don't know if it's an important, really that important of a conversation. Uh, maybe, you know, one night just talk around the fire about, do you think that demons have names? But um, I think really it's, it's important for us to help us to understand. And I don't want us to, when we hear that, to say like, oh, there's a spirit of, if you were to hear, there's a spirit of Jezebel coming against this and this, for us to kind of be just like, that's too weird. 
or that's too different. It's kind of like, I want you to just have a grid for like, okay, they're, they're talking about this strategy or that's what's coming to, that's what's important about that name is that's the strategy. Because every time I've ever heard it used, it, it comes with that idea of this is how they're attacking something. So the main thrust of today's message is if you're struggling emotionally, if you're, if you're dealing with something, if you, I hear stories of this and it's amazing. Just to be in the presence of God is healing and you can probably get really far or maybe all the way just by doing that. But I do believe that for many of us who are struggling, uh, people who are struggling emotionally, it's important to kind of think about or be open to this idea that there might be specific strategies that you can use in order to be able to move forward in your kind of emotional health in order in or physical health in order to move towards health in order to move towards spiritual kind of a renewed mind spiritually physically emotionally it can be helpful to be open to spiritual strategies these are real things and by us being different spiritually and strategic it can produce different results. Now, I think God has lots of grace. I think we probably make mistakes all the time. I think he can cover that. It's like, oh, you're trying to be strategic. I'm going to bless you because you're trying. I think there's a huge element of you're little and you're trying and I'm going to bless you. Like oftentimes I've found that in the beginning of my prophetic walk, God was a lot easier on me, made everything super easy, didn't require much. And as I've walked, he's kind of just like we do with our kids. He's just expected more. And it's like, your first time in a strategic warfare, you don't even need to try to get the strategy. I don't know how many late times later, it's like, now you got to try at least. And then it's like, now you kind of got to get a little bit more right than you are, like got to hear a little more clearly. And that's an interaction that I can't really quantify or understand. He's the leader, he can do it better than me. But I have found this reality that if we try, there is this blessing that can come because he wants us to grow. He really does. And so I would point to this as a potential next step for some of you or a re coming back to for others um, or an affirmation for some uh, that this is important and being strategic can produce, uh, you know, in God's working with us, that next breakthrough in our spiritual walk personally. Uh, through our own healing or for other people that we're praying for. Um, so, um, and prophetically as a church, I think that we're being directed to pre-strategic, even when, when we're talking about putting on the armor of God, that's a strategic thing. It's like, don't just do this. Don't just, don't just have faith. You know, you also need to pick up the sword and you need to put on the helmet of salvation. You need to do the, it's a strategy. You can't just do one thing. You have to think about this and you have to do many things, a number of things, and you'll be more successful um, kind of in your walk. And as a church, I think we're being asked to do that. And so, and that's where this mission of the church comes in, where it's like, if we can actually spiritually discern what our mission is, what our purpose is, we can be more effective as a church. We can be more strategic because it's coming against the strategies of Satan in the city and those that are particularly directed towards our church. And because I believe that we get catch the devil's attention. I think that's been something that's been clear in, in different ways. And so I think being strategic can help us to be more effective and we need to put on the armor of God. And we need to do other things to kind of really understand what God is saying right now about what we're supposed to do. 
So overall, we're fascinated with these stories because they prepare us for battle. Uh, they prepare us for what's to come. And we have lots of stories. We have the general stories that people tell to understand, like how do people work? We have, but we also, and this is the primary thing, we have these biblical stories to understand the demonic strategies. And we can see them playing out in other people's lives and in the lives of the nations now, but it's often more clear and the uh, kind of spiritual realities are laid out more step-by-step um, step in the Bible. So we study the Bible to understand even better than, you know, through an apocalyptic movie, let's say. And we don't want to be uh, caught unprepared. We want to be prepared for, for uh, the devil's strategies. And because he's like a coach, he's like telling us, this is what you need to do next. Now you got to do this. And we got to listen to that. We have to listen to the coach. You're coming up against this kind like this team is like this. You got to be blitzing more. You got to be passing more. You got to be running more. You got to do different things um, in order to be able to be successful. And he wants to prepare us. He doesn't want us to be taken out. So we have to listen to every kind of hint that he gives us, which is why I love what we're doing with having kind of prophetic, a prophetic place for the church to have uh, prophetic words being spoken over us and discerning what the church is hearing so that we can be more strategic. And, and even though those, those names may, I would probably say more not, but maybe like the actual kind of given names of demons, they, I believe even more, they point to kind of the strategies, even in the way that I have a name that I feel like was given to me and it points to a strategy for my life. And I believe we're given Christian names and we've given, you know, our kids are named Simeon and Anna. We've given them names that we felt were prophetically informing their lives. I believe that these demon names are giving us their strategies, their, their characteristics and how to, how to fight back, which is the most important thing. So they're actually a gift. They're a gift for us. And we need every gift God can give us in order to be victorious. Um, so Father, I just thank you for your grace. And I pray that you wouldn't close us to any way that you would speak to us about how to move forward and protect us from the demonic attacks that we experience and happen in our lives through conflict and emotions, conflict and with other people. And I pray that you would help us to know the mission of the church, help us each to have wisdom into how how we're supposed to move forward, what our next step is, because we have all these principles, Lord, but we need to know what we're supposed to do tomorrow, what we're supposed to do this year, what we're supposed to do in 2021 and 2022. We want to know, Lord, your plan for us as a community and as each person in our own lives. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be open to your messaging about that and um, so that we can be successful and prepared and not go and not be not get taken out 